When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello. Hello. How you doing today? I'm good. Can you hear me okay? I can hear you loud and clear. Can you hear me? Yeah. <laughs> you, see, you sound so relaxed. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've been like, I had some surprise. Distracted me so hard that I missed the, the time. I'm sorry about that. Oh no, I just understand. Hey, look, I I totally understand because in my world it gets very busy too. Believe me, sometimes I be burning the candle on both ends, literally. <laughs> so I I know the feel. <laughs> yeah, so uh, yo, I I have to say, um, the movie The Old Ways that is one of five films. I ever watched that made the hair on the back of my neck tingle. <laughs> That's why I say it was to me one of the top five of uh, of all time, in my opinion. You know, I know a lot of people might be like looking at me like I'm sideways, but <laughs> please go check it out on Netflix, man, because this thing is good. This is an independent it's film, my friend, done by your Yeah, extremely independent. We just uh, made it. And uh <laughs> hoped somebody would like it. Oh my god. It's and and, and the reaction and what and what's the reaction you've been getting so far? Uh it's been good, you know. I mean it's kinda weird because of the kind of just all yeah. Twitter and Instagram and a couple uh you know, we've got some reviewers and stuff like that, so that's nice. Um it feels really um really positive i mean there's people you know we're getting close to halloween so people are starting to i'm starting to see things on social media of people doing like makeup you know cosplay stuff which is really uh-huh. cool and um i mean i know we were we were number one movie in america for on netflix for a minute and i don't yeah. know how long maybe a couple of days or a day or two we were the number it one was, it was thing. a week Cause, because I kept looking, I just kept looking at it. I said, I kept looking at it. I said, should I watch it? Because it looked interesting. And um, yeah. when they first had it up, it was in Spanish. So I said, man, I don't feel like watching those subtitles. But then after a couple of days, it became English. And I said, well, let me check it out. And it, it like I said, it it takes you on a joyride. Um, most definitely. I, I like the style of it. I just like the imagery, image, imagery of it. So I got to ask you from from the beginning, like, yeah, when you got the script, what was your first thought? 
Well, uh, Mark Marcos, um, who who wrote it, he's a he's um one of my oldest friends. We've been making stuff together since 1995. Uh, he, he said he and I probably like cooking up something. Um, um, so I was there, you know, he... 10 pages or something. Um, I think that's where how it started. And he gave that to me and was like, do we have something here? And I was like, oh yeah, this is awesome. <laughs> So um, then we just started kind of bouncing stuff off each other and he started writing um, and then we'd rewrite together and I'd do research and I'd find, you know, some really interesting archaeological stuff or, you know, historical stuff and things like that. And I'd bring it to him and he'd try to fold it in. And it was a real, um, it was a real fun process. And I, I just, but from the get go, you know, his first kind of few pages, which was originally it was, it like just started off with her getting dragged into that room. Um, And uh, it was like, cool, this is a different movie. It's exciting. Um, So we just started working as if it was going to be a thing. Um, (laughs) (laughs) Started going. So when y'all finally got to the point where it was time for like, you know, production, what have you, how did y'all go through the process of picking your cast, picking the leads, picking the people that were going to be in it. And um, also, the other part I like about it is that <clears throat> y'all did it, I think, went on location in South America. Um, or well, yeah, I don't we, know where it was at. <laughs> we but, actually shot it, um, most of it we shot in Burbank, California, in a soundstage. Um, and then yeah. we, did a, we did a couple days in Puerto Rico for the mm-hmm. exteriors because um the actors union because we were such a low budget movie um they had like really restrictive rules about where we could take our cast and we weren't allowed to take them out of the country so um we started looking in puerto rico because it's in the country um and uh really got lucky with the locations there because the the cave that we found like looks exactly like like i'd drawn it on a on a dry erase board like a year and a half earlier when Marcus and I were just, you know, working on the story. Mm-hmm. And I thought we'd have to kind of <clears throat> do that and, and kind of do some CG or computer stuff to make, mm-hmm. to make it look like a mouth with teeth. And, um, mm-hmm. Our producers found <laughs> the exact thing uh, in the real world. So mm-hmm. that was pretty, pretty epic when we got to see that. Yeah, that- it let you know that movie was meant to happen right there. <laughs> it let you know. Um, and that was that was right when COVID was about to take off. Uh, we were there uh, with bats all around us. And that's when people were saying, oh, maybe it came from bats. Uh, and there were like <laughs> probably 100,000 bats in that cave, I would say, easily, mm-hmm. um, all above us. <laughs> and we were like, oh, man, are we going to get some sort of Super disease from these. <laughs> and I know, I know. Was the was the uh, act were the actors or actresses kind of scared of the bats? I know they were probably like, "What the hell?" No, they were. Um, in fact, um, we only took Bridget, who's the lead, uh, into the cave, mm-hmm. uh, and she, yeah, no, she wasn't scared. The the, the cave was so big, um, like so high uh, that mm-hmm. 
it was like being at a zoo. I mean, they weren't like up in your face or anything. So um, yeah. if it was like a narrow, you know, low ceiling thing, it would be a little bit different. But they were, I mean, it must have been 40 feet yeah. up um, in the ceiling. And it was daytime, you know, so they were, they were just kind of like sleeping. But then we'd shine the light up there or something and they'd get like annoyed and fly around and make noise. Um, but yeah, it wasn't, it wasn't the... Uh, it could have been a lot more challenging and it really wasn't so bad. We had a really small crew when we were there in Puerto Rico. So it was about, I don't know, six of us or something. So it was a lot of like manual labor <laughs> for us all okay. we carrying everything around and tromping through the jungle. But um, yeah, it was, it was really cool uh, overall. So, so how did you go about picking the cast? Well, we, <laughs> shut my window here because there's a garbage truck um <laughs> we hired a casting director who specialized in um diverse casting mm-hmm. and um she did like an open call i guess or whatever they do um and mm-hmm. sifted through lots and lots of people for us and then brought us um kind of her selects you know um mm-hmm. And we found, I mean, on the first day of seeing her, her kind of select reel of people, um, mm-hmm. we saw Andrea, who played uh, the cousin Miranda, and mm-hmm. she blew us away. We were like, great, let's get her. <laughs> we, saw, <laughs> we saw Julia, who played Luz, mm-hmm. and she was amazing. Like, let's get her. We saw Sal Lopez, who played... Um, Javi, mm-hmm. and he was like the polar opposite of the way Marcus had written the character, uh, but he was so good, and it, it was obvious that we were just like, he's the one, let's get him. Um, so we thought we were like good to go. You know, we're like, we did it. We're gonna be this is gonna be easy, and then it took us like months <laughs> to find <laughs> Christina, uh, who mm-hmm. ended up being um, played by Bridget Kelly Canales. Mm-hmm. Um, because that role, which we didn't, I mean, I, I, we kind of knew it when we were writing it, but it was a really tough role. Um, there was a lot of yeah. sides, a lot of sides to the character. You know, she was very um, kind of guarded and and like psychologically damaged and vulnerable, mm-hmm. but also tough and witty and and then physically, um, the role was very demanding. Um, so we kept seeing people who were amazing actors um, and could kind of like kill it. You know, we, they had three or four scenes that they would, you know, read through mm-hmm. and just blow us away on two or three of them. And then you'd get to this other kind of angle and it wasn't as believable. And mm-hmm. we just kept running into that over and over. And we had to push the the shoot date a few times later and later. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where, we were scared we would have to cancel the whole shoot because we just couldn't, we couldn't like ask the crew to not take a job. <laughs> yeah. Know, yeah. Work. Um, so and then we just, she came in, uh, on the 11th hour and we hired her and we started shooting like less than a week later. And, um, so we didn't really have any rehearsal <laughs> together or any time to get to know each other. We just hit the ground running and um, 
figured it out as we went and mm-hmm. yeah she she show up super prepared every day and mm-hmm. have a ton of ideas and a ton of questions and thoughts on how to do stuff and we had the, the one benefit too of like pushing the shoot over and over again is that me and the, my assistant director and my cinematographer had lots of time to prepare um, mm-hmm. and plan things out and walk through the set with just ourselves in an iPhone and, you know, kind of pre-shoot things. And so we, we had a lot of ideas and a game plan in place. And um, it was, uh, yeah, we got lucky though. I mean, she, I think she's a star. Yeah. I Cause um, I remember seeing her on, I looked up and I remember seeing projects that they had listed for her and the role of Christina, she, she, she really rocked it. Um, yeah. Because what, the one thing I liked about the movie is that the pace of the movie, it was like once ever she got grabbed, it slowed down. Yeah. And it left you with a sense of you was questioning whether she was, whether it was the Bruja or if it was her that was causing everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I kind of like that because it's like a lot of movies, sometimes you kind of know it, you see it. It's it's not no question what have you. But in this in this instance, you didn't know whether it was the Bruhars doing this for whatever reason and she might have ill intent or is she really is possessed, you know. Mm-hmm. How were y'all able to pull that off and what was your thought process <laughs> behind doing it that way versus just giving them the action, making the action heavy? Yeah. I don't know. You know, I mean we it was always in there uh, as what we wanted to do. And we really wanted to play with perspective. Um, Mm -hmm. And this is really from Christina's point of view. So, Mm -hmm. you know, at the beginning, these people feel very threatening and um, dangerous, but we didn't want to lie to the audience. We just wanted to like show it from her point of view, if that makes sense. So if you watch it again, you don't go back. Oh, why was he like twirling his mustache here? You know, like he was never <laughs> doing he was never doing that. It's just like if you're a woman who wakes up in a place and can't speak the same language as yeah. the people doing something strange to you, they're gonna be scary until you find out what the deal is. Um, so we really wanted to honor that and um Yeah, because you know, even to the point I like the touch that they allowed her to be able to use the heroin and shoot up. You know, period. Yeah. So it's kinda like well, they got a kidnap, but why they letting her shoot you? The heroin is. <laughs> well, you know, it kind of had to be like, you know, it had to be a self-actualization process. Yeah, you know, she yeah. couldn't. They could. They couldn't force her uh, to uh, change. You had to allow her to change uh, mm-hmm. willingly. Um, so there's that part right at the mm-hmm. midpoint. Um, where she asks, she actually asks for help, mm-hmm. um, which is like a, you know, if we're kind of following a addiction recovery kind of arc, <laughs> that's mm-hmm. like super important. You know, the people have to want to be helped. Yeah. Help on them. <laughs> without mm-hmm. permission. Yeah. Because it was like, even with the, uh, even with her cousin, um, Miranda, it was like you saw at p- parts of the movie. She wanted to help her. She wanted to help, maybe even help her escape. But 
then she like come to and be like, nah, I, I, I can't help you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, but see, I think that really played into the movie because it kind of, it, it kept you guessing, but at the same token, it eased you to when it did pick up, it really picked up and it caught you off guard, you know, yeah. period. Um, it's like with some of the Im- imagery that y'all did and the special effects, you know, who was the person that was behind that and, and how y'all come up with some of the ideas for some of the stuff y'all did in the movie? Um, yeah, it was, I mean, I did most of the, the visual effects myself. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was just sitting here in my office during COVID. Uh, so yeah. I started teaching stuff like this for years, mm-hmm. but I had to, I had to teach myself a lot of stuff. Uh, mm-hmm. This was definitely um, beyond my existing um, skill set mm-hmm. to a certain degree, but not like way beyond it, just like a mm-hmm. little. So I had to learn, I had to learn how to do like digital sculpting and and animation and some stuff like that. And I had to learn how to do all the um, smoke simulations and all that for the magic uh, mm-hmm. smoke that's in the kind of last third of the movie. And yeah, uh, you know. Uh, but it's a team thing, you know, I mean, it's me and mm-hmm. it's Marcos, the writer, and it's the cinematographer, Adam, and it's our mm-hmm. makeup artist, Callie, and we hired a, um, a creature designer who'd worked on a friend of mine's movie. His name's uh, Keith. Yeah, that, that, team and... was sick. <laughs> that team was sick. I was like, oh. which I got to ask you about that, but go ahead. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, it was a lot of a lot of back and forth and a lot of good ideas and, mm-hmm. you know, try to th- and make it happen. <laughs> now, this is what I wanted to ask you about. Did y'all go with the, or the creature? Did y'all go with the thought of it being a gin versus that of a traditional demon? Because, spoiler alert, the mm-hmm. way she killed him, that she crushed his heart, so to me, that led to that y'all kind of wanted to make him vulnerable, but yet invulnerable in some way. So that's why I thought y'all might went more with a gin type creature than that of an actual demon. And why did y'all go that route? You mean like a genie type of gin? Yeah, 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 the yeah. bad genie. Because, because, yeah. because, because, because the way of the depiction, it, the smoke and, and, and all that, yeah. I was you know, period. So where did you get the inspiration for that? And was yeah. that I was going versus the traditional this is a demon it make it makes you do all that but this is a demon. You, you gotta do an exorcist type shit, you know, period. Yeah, well you know I don't know. I mean, Tarasco was always a demon demon um, and that there are lots of demons um, and we were inspired by the uh, my earpiece made a noise. Um, we were inspired by the um, some trips I've taken down to uh, Belize and other um, Mayan uh, regions, where um, like mm-hmm. young men, when they were becoming men, would be taken to these to a cave um, mm-hmm. and have to go into the cave uh, for like a week or some mm-hmm. a long amount of time by themselves go all the way into the darkness where they thought it was like a some sort of um 
entryway to the underworld and um if they came out alive a week later then they were now like a warrior um and if not they were dead <laughs> or had been taken yeah. you know or whatever <laughs> may have happened um so a the lot idea of that this back in the day a lot of blood sacrifices yeah. definitely exactly <laughs> so so imagining that Lamoka is like a you know an entryway to a hell mouth or something you know because i'm also like super inspired or i loved buffy the vampire slayer and all those uh, things so yeah, me too <laughs> they have that you know hell mouth idea there in buffy where uh there's just like this bad this place where a lot of like things can cross over from the other side so mm-hmm. it was definitely always a demon from that standpoint and um we were also playing with the like family and love and all that kind of mm-hmm. stuff so like the heart really started to bubble up as a obvious symbol um Mm -hmm. and um yeah you know i I don't we never really intended it to be a like a genie or or any of that (laughs) type of thing but i mean you know that may also be my ignorance about like i know a little bit about the lore of them but the reason why i say that because anyone that that's one of the takeaways because when you when you see a traditional they say horror flick which involves a a demon a possession of some kind or a parasite or, or anything you want to call it. The way you destroy yeah. it, y'all, the way you destroy it is usually what, through exorcism, burning some bones and shit like this. Y'all did it in a different fashion. You feel what I'm saying? Because yeah. even to the point where she reached out and you could see he was like invisible, you could see his heart. And she yeah. was able to crush his heart and kill it, which to me was a twist because I was expecting like some like this is the uh South American version of what you would get from an exorcism, the exorcist, the exorcist movie type yeah. situation. You know what I'm saying? But it yeah. wasn't like that. It was more of they physically killed it. Yeah. With well, so what they heart. were trying to do, like so they had to try to make it real, you know, uh, mm-hmm. cause it was always mm-hmm. kind of like in a spirit form and they didn't quite succeed yeah. there, uh, in that first, uh, scene with, with Moose. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's why she gets, um, succumbs to its power, I guess. Uh, but <laughs> yeah. then it, when it does like corporealize or whatever you call it, um, mm-hmm. it, later, um, then she's actually able to do like her own, psychic surgery on it um mm-hmm. like from the earlier part of the movie and and remove its vital organs uh i guess mm-hmm. spoiler alert yeah you know period it, 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 i'm sorry we can spoil it all day y- y'all go to watch it enjoy it <laughs> i can watch it four times yeah. because even to the point even when her cousin ended up succumbing to the demon yeah. and she had to take over the brew <laughs> it's like it's like you guys really thought it out to kind of like the overarch is she took over where the the, the original left off. That yeah. she basically she was being trained, but didn't realize she was being trained at the same time being exercised. And I exactly. thought that was so cool because, like I said, it's it's made the movie different from what you would typically see when it comes to horror films. Yeah. And that's that was a real process, and just the writing, you know, like it wasn't. I don't think 
No, we didn't initially say, hey, let's write a movie about a girl who does this and becomes a bruja. Um, it actually was, the first draft was a man. Mm-hmm. And the story kind of like, tell you know, it's like a divining rod or, you know, or a Ouija board mm-hmm. when you're writing, if you're paying attention, like it, it starts to tell the story it wants to tell. And we got to the end. And as soon as we got to the end, because we were actually writing it for AJ Bowen, who mm-hmm. is like the, the boyfriend or what, you know, like the, the editor mm-hmm. at the end of the movie. Um, Cause he's a friend of ours and, and we knew like he would be in our movie. <laughs> and he's, <laughs> you know, he's, he's a big, like he's in a lot of like, really popular cult horror films mm-hmm. and thrillers and stuff so we were like ah oh, he's like a you know he's the most famous person we know um <laughs> so we were writing it for him and we got to get to the end of the script and we're like oh this needs to be a woman <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> like it wants to do this uh so we rewrote the whole thing um with the female uh character and um yeah it's really just like you know, you go through it, you get to the end, it, it tells you what it wants to do, then you go back and make that make sense. And um, there's a thing that some, I don't know if it's in a writing book or something I heard from somebody, but mm-hmm. they call it um, inevitable but surprising. You know, that's how you want your movie to end, where it's like, oh, that's the only way it could have ended. But also, mm-hmm. it needs to kind of, surprise people but then you got when you think back you're like oh yeah that was obvious the whole time it had to happen mm-hmm. so that's the dream scenario i think mm-hmm. is to try to get that to happen because it's a really satisfying um feeling as an audience and then you also you left it open for a sequel oh yeah okay. <laughs> see that what i love it, it was yeah. defined it was like yeah. oh we might could have a sequel here you know what i'm saying you oh, know yeah. pretty... now, one of my favorite favorite movies but... is Unbreakable. I don't know if you've seen that, but yes, um, it's I, like, I love that movie because you don't realize while you're watching it that it's just like an origin story for a superhero, and mm-hmm. um, you know, it just feels like a thriller about this thing. And then at the end, you're like, oh my god, this is like you know, a comic book that I didn't know existed. Um, mm-hmm. So I love, I love stories that do that, and um, yeah. we we love the idea of like if this thing is popular enough being able to do either more movies or a tv show or something like that because i think it's oh know, man the red, the red book and it's full of demons <laughs> you know yeah i mean y'all hit uh netflix so i mean the possibility and people do manifest on my podcast i would <laughs> love to see that as a series because it's like with one i love her look because one, it wouldn't surprise me if a lot of people cosplay it, and two, it it's it's new age traditional. Yeah, in my in, in my way, I really found that shit sexy. When I saw, it, I said, "Oh my god, I like the way." That was like, who came up with that one? Who came up with that look? Um, but it, that was well, me and, the, and my makeup artist Callie. Um, I kind of, I would always start off with some like really kind of rudimentary drawings um, mm-hmm. to kind of get us in the same headspace. Um, but I don't know, I don't like actually know anything about makeup personally, but mm-hmm. I, I really had a idea for like some, the graphic nature of it. You know, I wanted it, mm-hmm. I wanted there to be a, a real um, memorable, stark 
kind of graphic look. Um, so I kind of drew something simple, the hand, I think I drew, drew the hand kind of print on the face and the, the red um, lip or the chin. And then Callie took that and put her own spin on it. Uh, she's Latina and, and did some research. And, and then, then we started talking about like, well, how, how would they do this makeup? you know, practically like the people, uh, where would it come from? What would it be made out of? And so that's when we started getting into like, it's some sort of clay, um, that maybe they got from like a river bed or something. So that's why it's cracked and white. And, and then the red stuff is obviously some sort of chicken blood or, you know, whatever, <laughs> something from a sacrifice. Um, yeah. and then we kind of just went back and forth and, you know, she made it, um real <laughs> and then she did tests on i think she did a test on our um one of our producers krista um because she had a similar skin tone um mm -hmm. and um so she got to wear all kinds of weird prosthetics and stuff and, um yeah so it was a, you know it was a back and forth and then i think we got her look first and then we created i think so i think we did hers and then we kind of use that language to create the main bruja look mm -hmm. uh and then the um just kind of the flashback bruja um so they all kind of like live in the same world a little bit but um now when yeah, you talk was, about uh, what what where did you pull a lot of the imagery from the the look the actual thought process of the movie mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying yeah, a lot like books and internet and, and documentaries. Um, I, a lot of it, we worked backwards from the idea that like, okay, there's these ancient religions and these ancient customs and, and beliefs. Um, what if they, you know, weren't invented, um, mm. but they were based on, someone had seen the demon, you know, um, because we're, we're looking at all these things and there's, there's skulls of like royalty and stuff that mm -hmm. they found buried that where they had elongated the skulls of the babies. Mm -hmm. Um, and you, you can, if you Google it, you can find it. So I, I was like, well, what oh, if yeah, I'm a documentary buff myself, here's your channel all day. So, <laughs> yeah. so I, um, so, you know, the idea is like, well, why did they do that? Did they just mm -hmm. say, let's torture this baby? Or did they say, oh, we, we've seen this deity. Um, let's try to, you know, honor it or um, base it on that. So I built the demon's head. The, the head is long like that. And it's got this weird kind of alien um, kind of stretched out look. And then mm -hmm. there's pictures of like um, ceremonial headdresses where there are just like these hands on the face mm -hmm. of like a, the, the priest or whoever it is um, that's wearing the headdress, just like these hands on their face. And mm -hmm. it looks kind of strange. And I was like, well, what if that's, you know, the handprint? So we did that, you know, the demon has the handprints on his face. And, uh, they, there's teeth. They find teeth in the burials that have holes drilled in them and, and stones and um, precious metals and stuff like that turquoise in the teeth 
and it looks horrifying uh, and very painful. And we're like, well, what if the demon, you know, has that? So a lot of it, we kind of work backwards from these, uh, I guess you call them archaeological or um, books and images and um, stuff that we found and, and just tried to like root it in that as if all these things were based on a real uh, creature or demon that they'd seen in a cave <laughs> at some point thousands of years ago. Yeah. Yeah, you, you hit it spot on. Oh, by the way, hello, everybody from the Smokers Lounge. Say <laughs> 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 how good this show is out of this piece. I am talking with Mr. Christopher Andler, uh, Allender. 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 And he is the director mm-hmm. of The Old Way, a movie which is on Netflix, which I so do love. You people need to go check it out. So that's how I start my show. I don't tell nobody the name until you get to the same part. So they be listening yeah. like, okay, yeah, who is this? Who's this? Who's this? Then I give it to them. You feel me? Uh-huh. <laughs> it just uh, it just came out on um, Blu-ray and uh, iTunes and everything too. So mm-hmm. the Blu-ray's got like, if you want to know how it was made, <laughs> there's like a, <laughs> a fe- feature-length documentary we made on there. Oh, snap. Uh, there's a there's a commentary track. There's deleted scenes there's all kinds of like we wanted to make it um chock full of stuff because obviously (laughs) you know and we're releasing a um vinyl uh record of the soundtrack because the soundtrack turned out so good uh and the artwork on the on the record is insane you gotta check it out most definitely so now that like i said with which with my podcast, we talk about the business of things. You know, it, 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 most of the time I talk about adult films, but this is kind of mirror image because we both do movies. He's just, when he yell cut, it's when either the hero didn't kill the villain or what have you, or he got a nice little twist. I yell cut when we bust a nut. Now, with that being said, <laughs> with that being said, how do one, be it that you're an independent film creator and you don't have the big budget. You don't have the distribution like that. of the How do one get their movie out there? And what the ways that people can do that? Well, you know, we just made the best movie we could. Um, and then we submitted it to film festivals and we got into um, the uh, probably, you know, there's probably three main festivals that are the best ones to get into for like a horror film. And we mm-hmm. got into one of those, um, which was in Spain and um, it's called Sitges. And we premiered there. And, and then once we, once we got accepted, then I reached out because I've, I've produced, I don't know. Well, in the, around 10 movies or so over the years. And um, so I have a couple of relationships with, sales agents and all that so once we got into the festival i called up the sales agents and i was like hey we got into the big thing because they always need some you need something to get people excited yeah um so i called them up so we got in like oh that's great um but it was covid times so normally they would like it'd be a whole thing like you'd go to the festival and you'd have meetings and you'd do like secret screenings and 
handshakes and this and that. Um, but this was like, I think they just emailed it to like 20 people <laughs> who buy movies <laughs> and said, hey, this movie's cool. It's it's premiering, you know, next week. It's it just, you better check it out. Um, mm-hmm. That's kind of all that it was. You know, we had, I think about five places that were seriously interested and were kind of bidding against each other and Netflix um, kind of came to the Apparently table with the, the biggest, <laughs> you know, the most attractive offer um, between mm-hmm. the financial side and the exposure side, which both were mm-hmm. important to us. Um, so we went with them and crossed our fingers because <laughs> you never know. I mean, there's so many movies yeah. on Netflix. You never know if it's just going to be like bloop and gone um, or if it's going to be sitting there on the well, I, list. Um, well, so we well I know, I know. When I saw it, it was on the top ten list. So <laughs> yeah, that's cool. But, but, but um, because I know, like the biggest part of when in, in that world is finding distribution, finding a place for it to, to land. Of course, you want to make money with it and everything, and also having relationships that enable you to get into them spots. How important is yeah. relationships in your business? Yeah, it's. Um, pretty important. I mean, on all levels, you know, I mean, it's, it's, a, mm-hmm. it's been, I've moved out here in, um, in Hollywood, uh, 1998 and didn't know anybody except for the people I graduated school with. And we, um, you know, you just start building relationships, mm-hmm. you know, over the years. And, um, so it's a massive network of, tiny relationships that have blossomed and the bigger and bigger and um you know building a reputation for yourself so that when you do finally call someone up and say hey can you come work on my movie or uh hey will you take a look at my movie or hey will you read my script or whatever that you actually you know there's someone who's gonna pick up the phone (laughs) and say yes (laughs) um so it's like a you know they always say, oh, it's who you know, but it, which is true, but it's like, it's such a process, you know, it's not a, it's not a light switch, like, mm-hmm. oh, you know people, you don't know people, it's like, well, I know, you know, some other interns, <laughs> or whatever it was, you know, <laughs> runners, and PAs, and then now we know people who are writers, and now those people are getting jobs somewhere else, mm-hmm. and now they're VPs at places, or now I've done a a short that got attention and so I've got an agent and now my agents know people so then they can call people mm-hmm. and vouch for me and um so it's just a it's definitely who you know but it's not it's not the way it, that, that sounds when you first hear it when you're like a teenager coming up you know wanting to come to Hollywood it's like you got to have patience you know and build the relationships and and the relationships are built on experience with each other and experience your your abilities um and your professionalism and your artistic skill and all that you know so it's just a thing i've been building towards for a long time but you know i i saw a stat somewhere it's like the average first-time director is like 40 um everyone you know you hear the story of like the steven spielbergs who were like 24 or whatever 
yeah like in the first movies and those because those are exciting stories <laughs> those are the ones you hear and one's like you know what was so cool this guy <laughs> pulled, he would paid his dues a- for 30 years and then he got to do it you know so yeah. no one ever talks about that because it's not that interesting <laughs> you're not that safe they don't hear over time they want to hear extraordinary yeah he yeah. he did his first movie 18 <laughs> yeah Exactly. And those are fun to hear. And, you know, and those are the get rich quick kind of stories that we like to gravitate towards, but um, it's not um, very common. (laughs) So when you first, so when you first started, when when you got to Hollywood and you first started getting into the industry, what would you, you were doing? Because I read here, you were saying you was doing movie trailers. What type of movie trailers was you doing? And then, and then as you progressed, what else did you start to do? as you move towards becoming a full a, a director and directing yeah. and directing well, movies. I was one of those kind of jack of all trades types. So when I came out I, I did a lot of stuff. I was a I was an editor on a, on some movies. Um I edited a movie for um what's his name? Uh, Todd Bridges <laughs> right when I first moved <laughs> out here. Um which was pretty interesting um i was a camera guy assistant camera i was a dp i um so i was doing the kind of like uh freelance independent film thing uh but it kind of when you first come out like it's hard to get the jobs and there's time in between it and then you start getting worried that you're not gonna have enough money to pay the rent whatever so eventually i got a job like more of a traditional entry-level job as a mm-hmm. uh, production assistant on a tv show um and that was more of a, like a nine to five kind of thing and then um somehow got a friend of a friend like left a job something they were like a temp at disney um as an as an assistant like a you know answering phones and stuff so i went and got that somehow got that job and that was in the marketing department at Disney. So, uh, and then meanwhile, actually Marcos was working as an entry level person at a trailer company. Um, and he, I think it was actually, he got promoted. So they needed to replace him. And he's like, I know someone. So he introduced him to me and then I got a job there and I, we both worked our way up at that place. And then eventually, um, was doing, I was doing trailers and, um, all kinds of post-production stuff like that and um, kind of segued that into like a moonlighting side job uh, at home. Meanwhile, Marcus and I were doing short films and we won some contests. There was like mm. a bunch of contests on the internet back then. Like that was like internet 1.0. <laughs> um, and we won a little bit of money and we were able to buy like our own um, editing system, which was like in the early 2000s, like it was still really like prohibitive to like now you can edit a movie on your iphone or whatever but um back then it was still it was still pretty expensive so we were able to get our own system and started doing more work and then just kind of like started snowballing from there doing more and more commercials and trailers and promos and short films and working for disney and other studios and um and then I kind of built my studio around that, just bigger and bigger jobs and more and more 
staff. So we have like a, I mean, we have a full studio now where we have 50 employees. We have our own soundstage. Nice. We have some kind of, some cameras and stuff like that. Editing, um, every, pretty much everything. We can do audio. Um, so then we started trying to get involved in movies, um, producing movies or like kind of teaming up with people who needed something that we had that, that they were missing um, and then started making our own movies. We made, you know, four or five of our own movies. And then I, all the while I was looking for the project for me to direct. Um, and I kind of had some other, I did some shorts and I had some things set up with some studios that were in development, but they were just kind of like taking forever. And I'm like, meanwhile, I'm getting older and, <laughs> and, I'm missing out. and then like some jobs I'm missing out on because I hadn't done a movie already. And I'm like, yeah. Okay, I just need to like make a movie. <laughs> so Oh, I'm 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 sitting here feeling that I'm talking to somebody that I'm gonna be seeing his name a whole lot these next couple of years. Cause <laughs> I with the Muppet show. With with, with the uh yeah. the Muppet well, movie. So we we started doing um we started working with the Muppets over a decade ago. Um we started doing like viral videos for the internet for them producing mm-hmm. and directing and writing and doing all the stuff. And then we ended up doing a lot of the, all the commercials and stuff for the movies. Um, and then uh, we did a lot of the like post-production for the TV show, the one that was on ABC. Mm-hmm. And um, then we did uh, right before the pandemic, we shot a show called Muppets now that we created um, mm-hmm. And that came out on Disney Plus. And then uh, we pitched, or I don't know how exactly it started, but we basically, we got asked to make this um, Muppets Haunted Mansion project. So we produced that. <laughs> uh, and we filmed it I, in the exact... Just, uh, did, did that just sorry. came out? Yeah, it just, came, just out came out like uh, a week and a half ago, something like that. Um <laughs> So we we actually filmed that whole thing in the exact same spot that we filmed the old ways. Um, so very different uh, looks for that. But yeah, you know, and I've been working with the Muppets now, like I said, for, I don't know, 11, 12 years. And so I've got a lot of experience with puppets and wires and rods and stuff like that. And so we kind of folded some of that experience into how we did the demon um, in our movie. And so it's all kind of, all kind of intermingles uh, over time. Yeah, it's like you did a little bit of everything. It, it... <laughs> yeah, Jack yeah. all trades, mass all trades to me, buddy. Yeah, because... well, at least the Jack. Uh, <laughs> but yeah, I know. You know, I know. I know how to do a little of everything, kind of, and um, except music. I don't. I don't have any musical skill, but everything else, well, editing and, and filming and. The effects and directing and all that jazz. I I know enough. You know, I think the benefit of that is I'm I'm able to find people who are extremely good at those individual things and speak their language enough um, and kind of um, I, I know how to push them to do bigger and better things because I know what's possible, even if I can't do it, <laughs> I know <laughs> how to describe what I want. Um, 
mm-hmm. and challenge them in ways that I think, you know, people like to be challenged. And if you're the best one in the room at what you do, you kind of like, mm-hmm. you never get any better, you know? So working with people like that, um, yeah. you know, I, I'm able to use that experience I had yeah, to help I, them. Even look at the old ways and even look at some of your projects that I looked at on your website, they, especially always, I could see they was very well directed. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's it, it, because they captured the emotion of the characters. You know, and you can feel it through the the TV screen. You feel what I'm saying? It, it's like that's why I said it was like even to the point to to not just <clears throat> the acting, but just the way that the flow of the movie. That, that's why I say I can tell it was well put together, well directed. And it like to me, I'm sitting here like, I'm sorry. I, I can't wait to see more of your horror films. Because mm-hmm. it to me, I, I I think as a director, man, man you good. <laughs> you real good. I I'm sorry. Actually, I, I I actually I sat and watched it today at work. And um I had some people at work was like, What's this? And I told them what it was. They were looking at it. You you have some people right now watching it as we speak. <laughs> that's great well, thank you yeah, that's it nice. yeah it's a you know it's just a process uh i've been trying to do this since i was 10 <laughs> maybe eight. so what was your first what was your first movie that you directed uh i mean this is well you know marcus and I actually made a we made a student film that was feature length in college mm-hmm. um for like four thousand dollars <laughs> and uh <laughs> It actually got distribution and everything. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not very nice. good, um, but we we sold it to some place that released it on DVD, and mm-hmm. it was in our local blockbuster video back then. And, um, but I don't really count that because I, I mean, that really was like twelve days with a bunch of film school friends uh, shooting in the woods and just kind of figuring it. Because I didn't get to do a thesis film, um, so we kind of did that instead, and. Um, we had read uh, Robert Rodriguez's book at the time, and it was like, go make three bad movies. <laughs> <laughs> like, okay, let's do our first one. Um, but then, you know, I did, um, you know, lots of shorts and commercials and stuff since. Uh, I did this one, oh, gosh, it was probably nine-ish years ago, nine, ten years ago, called, um, it's like a music video short called uh, Eye of the Storm. If you check that out, it's pretty crazy. It's like a steampunk, crazy. It's weird, um, but that got yeah, me a lot of I, attention. I was looking at that. Say, I was just looking at that, and yeah, I was like, yeah. "Damn, man, who, who, who? You did the artwork for this? For that? Yeah." So I, um, created that whole thing, and then I had some I had some help for sure on the on the VFX, like um, a friend of mine. West Ball, who's actually like a huge director now. Uh, at the time, he helped me. He did he did most of the some of the animation and stuff in it. Um, he now does like he's working on the next Planet of the Thing. <laughs> uh, so he's he's not available for me to hire anymore because he's uh, <laughs> taken over <laughs> on his own. But um, he, but yeah, I did that. So the guy in that video, the person walking around mm-hmm. and everything, and the person who wrote the song is the is Ben Lovett who did the score for the old ways. Okay. Um, so we've been working together forever. And, um, but yeah, that, that thing is what I 
kind of uh, got me my agents and mm-hmm. the foot in the door in Hollywood and JJ Abrams saw it and loved it and stuff like that. So it was, I, I was like, okay, great. You know, I made mm-hmm. it. <laughs> and now it's yeah, I'm great. <laughs> I'm still doing my first movie 10 years later. Hey. Um, hey. You know, it happens. Hey, so Say it don't matter when it hit, long as it hits. Yeah. No access. Yeah. So, you know, it's just a, everything kind of fits together eventually. No, keep, exactly. keep chipping away. <laughs> so what's next? What is next on the slate? Yeah. For um, let me say I the don't name of your know. Yeah, for what? soapbox. Um yeah, soapbox. I don't know. Soapbox films. Yeah. Um I do not know things, you know, COVID times have slowed some things down. Um, got a couple of pokers on the fire. Like there's a, a sci-fi movie, like a sci-fi thriller that I've been working on for probably 10 years um, that we're just now, we're trying to get the cast attached to it. We've got some of the cast on there. So if we get the rest of the cast attached, hopefully we can get financing for that. Um, Marcus and I are working on another horror film that we're just starting to share the script with some people. Mm-hmm. Um, it's more of a like studio style horror film that, you know, maybe we can get somebody interested to help us get it made. Um, mm-hmm. and you know, and we're also kind of working on some ideas for a sequel for this in case we can, um, drum up some support for that, which. Oh, I'm pretty sure y'all. Yeah, yeah. It was probably so, the series because <laughs> yeah. it, it it would make for an interesting series. I'm not even going for it, and definitely the sequel would be high. So I mean, yeah. yeah I, I want go ahead. Excited. So hopefully, some hopefully something good will come. You know, um, mm-hmm. and we're working we're working on some other stuff that unfortunately I'm not allowed to talk about. But hopefully, something yeah. cool soon. Most definitely. Well, I know this much. I would love to bring you back on the show. Yeah, let Later me know. On, you or, you know, know, if I have something fun, hopefully some someday soon we'll have something else exciting to talk about as well. But, oh, most uh, definitely. And my platform is open to you to talk about your projects that's coming. Thank you. See? Yeah. Without, exciting. Without. You're based on your East Coast? Yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm based in Durham, North Carolina. Cool. I'm from Atlanta. Yeah. Yeah, I saw that. I was like, he didn't went to Hollywood. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, I grew up in Atlanta dreaming about coming to Hollywood to make movies, and now we make all their movies. Yeah, right. Because I'm like, it seems like every time I look up, there's a movie in Atlanta <laughs> or oh, a new yeah. movie come out of Atlanta or it's a TV series, I swear. Yeah. It's hard for me to watch a lot of shows because I'm like, that's not New York. That's Atlanta. I know what Atlanta <laughs> Yeah, I'd be seeing it too. I'd be like, come on, bro. Come on. Yeah, <laughs> Stop pretending yeah. like you know good with that Seattle. That is not that is not New York. Yeah. That ain't Miami, buddy. Come on. We can tell the difference. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> South has a look. Yeah. And you can't you can't deny it. No matter how much they try to try to fake it, they can't. Yeah. Even when I look at uh I happen to had a chance to take a look at the what was it? Uh the the over office, whatever it is, is one where, where they probably like a DC. You can just tell it's Atlanta. Mm-hmm. They try to pretend like it's DC. I know. Yeah. <laughs> it's crazy. Um, but you know, it's a good place to film, so yeah. More power to them. 
Oh yeah, most definitely. So tell everybody where they can find you, sir. Uh, sitting in my house all the time. Um, I'm, uh, <laughs> yeah, I'm uh, at Chris Allender on I think everything. It's C H R A S A L E N D E R. So Twitter, Insta. I guess that's everything. That's everything for me. I'm not on TikTok or any of the other newfangled stuff the kids are on these days, but uh, I have to be on it for for my podcasting. Trust me, I don't. The only thing I do is just post something, and that's it. I don't just go through the feed no more. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. He's talking about age. I'm three years old. I think I'm three years older than you, buddy. So, uh, so if if you old, you know I'm old. I'm aging. Uh, my thumb's starting to like Ugh. cramp up from all the social media stuff, so I'm gonna yeah, I gotta get off it. Um, but yeah, I love podcasts. No doubt, for sure. No doubt. That's the one yeah. good thing that came out of these this revolution of technology lately. Oh yeah, people get to talk about and give their opinions, and yeah. hope someone <laughs> want to listen. <laughs> I'm sorry. You got to be an entertaining motherfucker to keep somebody entertained for hours. <laughs> just so I feel blessed that I've been able to do that. So yeah, that's awesome. Well, I appreciate you uh, reaching out. No uh, doubt, I appreciate you coming in. So people, you know how we always end this: life is a learning experience. What's the point of experience? You didn't learn anything. Smoke this over. Thank you for coming to the lounge.